What is going on, everyone? This is Drew Code Sports Talk, and I am your host, Andrew Wright. And over in Clovis, California, is my co-host, Cody Johnson. Cody. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am with the voice of the Hornets tonight, you guys, and his lazy boy. So what up? Uh, we got a great episode for you guys tonight. We're talking Raiders. We're talking uh, Thursday night football that just ended. We're also talking about NFL week one and looking ahead at week two. And we got some Giants drama to talk about. So cannot wait. We're going to get started in just a second. But before we do, don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, review the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on social media and all that great stuff. So with that being said, you guys, let's get started. All right. Well, yes, we are back. It is uh, after we just saw week one of uh, the NFL and now we are in week two. Uh, College football is in full swing. Uh, Baseball postseason uh, is starting to shape up a little bit. So a lot of good stuff is going on in sports right now. NBA is starting to look uh, like it's coming together pretty quickly here. So. A lot, a lot, a lot of sports that is going on. But before we get into all of those sports talks, Cody, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, man. Just, uh, you know, hanging out, getting ready for the show. I watched Thursday Night Football tonight, so it was a, it's actually a really good game with some division rivals. So I hate to say some positive things about them, of course, but uh, it was a good game ultimately. <laughs> but uh, doing pretty well. It's been a hectic week as you and I have been polling about it back and forth. And yeah. Thankfully, we're here doing this, talking sports, which is the almost the best time of the week to do it. So, how are yes. you doing, man? How was softball tonight? Uh, it was very good. We won our game, so very, very excited about that. I had a good uh, hitting day, so I'll take that any day of the week. Um, my wife had to play, and she got a hit, and so, yeah, all good stuff, man. Right on. And also, too, congratulations on becoming the voice of the hornets i know that you know you're telling me you're uncomfortable with that but i just found it pretty cool that this new local high school you're their voice of their sports for now and you actually got to call their first touchdown so for you to continue that i think it's pretty cool yes yes that was really cool i very excited and uh, tomorrow they have a game against hoover high school which i'm very excited about it's funny because um when i go to work i work right by hoover high school and uh, I'm going to be doing <laughs> the game for uh, Singer West. So it'll be kind of like two worlds colliding in that one. So that'll be a fun game. Um, you know, Hoover is usually not a powerhouse, but they're not a slouch of a team. They usually get some uh, good athletes. So I'm really looking forward to watching Clovis West because uh, the <clears throat> they had a bye week on this past week. And... Uh, but the week before that, they played a, another high school that's actually a startup high school as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, they scored their most points. I mean, they scored 24. I mean, they still lost by 30. So I will say that. I will preface it by that. But uh, they are getting better each and every week. And so I'm very excited to see how they're going to play this week. So, um, <clears throat> you know, if you're in the Fresno area, in the Sanger area, definitely go check out Sanger West. They are playing at Tom Flores Stadium at 7.30. That's varsity. And for JV, it'll be at 5 o'clock. So definitely go check him out. Uh, and you will hear me all throughout both games. So very excited about that. 
Very cool, man. Well, congrats on that. How's everything with you been going, though, other than that? Uh, absolutely horrible. Uh, <laughs> everyone has gotten sick here. I am still kind of sick, so uh, I might go like, I don't know, a zero dark 30 here in a couple of minutes, hacking my lungs off. You might see me on live on the on the video here me just like absolutely coughing or sneezing or sorry if i sniffle so i'm just gonna say that and preface everything that i'm going to say or talk about if you hear me sniffle if you hear me cough i'm very sorry but mm -hmm. i am trying to get over uh, a cold so you know like i can only do what i can do yeah well over at my in-laws house they got hit with covid pretty bad so oh no yeah, they've been, I think, dealing with it since Thursday, Thursday of last week now. So it's been about a week. Mm. So we've been yesterday. I had to leave work early, of course, to pick up the kids from school. I did a little grocery shopping for them because they needed some supplies. So I did that. And uh, it was kind of funny because I was texting my mother-in-law and I was asking what they needed. The first list is like one or two items. Uh, we just need milk and bread. Okay, great. And text them. Do you need anything else? Uh, yeah. Can you get cough drops? Okay. Got that. Okay. What else do you guys need? Oh, I think that's it. Oh no, wait. Um, dad, my father-in-law, uh, wants, uh, to know if you can get some chips too. Okay, great. What flavor? Uh, any flavor except for this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> so before you know it, it's like a couple of handfuls of, of, uh, grocery bags and dropping them off. Cause they haven't been able to leave the house for over a yeah. week and it's the least that we can do because they do a lot for us and, and uh, my kids. So we've been dealing with that, but you know, we've been getting some encouraging news that they're feeling better and they're all That's vaccinated. Good. So at least they're on the other side of it, but it's just been a hectic week and making sure that they're okay and all that yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. Good, good, good stuff. It's crazy that we're still going through that, but you know, it is what it is. So <clears throat> yeah. I got to deal with it, I guess. All right. Well, enough about us. Let's talk about sports. Cody, we just saw a uh, week, the first week two game, um, and it was between the Chargers and the Chiefs. The Chiefs ended up on top 27 to 24. Uh, a couple of stats for everyone. If you haven't seen the game, uh, Justin Herbert threw for uh, 334 yards and three touchdowns, one pick. You had took two sacks. Patrick Mahomes threw for 235 and two touchdowns, no picks, and was sacked once. Leading rusher was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with 74 yards. Leading receiver was Mike Williams with eight catches, 113 yards, and he caught a touchdown. So, Cody, with all of that, you saw majority of the game. I wasn't able to see. I was, you know, busy playing, you know, actually balling at softball. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, you know, what did you, what are some takeaways that you took from this game so far? So my takeaways are that, um, that the chiefs, um, their offense took a little bit longer than usual to get going. Um, uh, Patrick Mahomes looked uncomfortable for majority of the game. The chargers, uh, pressure defense really, you know, stepped up of course, as it, as it's been doing this season, as we saw against our Raiders. Uh, but, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes was a little uncomfortable for majority of the game. There was, I think, uh, one play that kind of gave a little bit of relief to the Chiefs because you can tell Patrick Mahomes had been uncomfortable. Uh, Patrick Mahomes basically did a 50-yard strike to receiver Watson. He beat uh, uh, J.C. Jackson kind of uh, on a, a double move uh, that was kind of like a long uh, slant. 
And, you know, Mahomes delivered it right on the money and it kind of gave some relief to uh, the Chiefs uh, because they had really no momentum going. They had no rhythm in their offense. Their run game was pretty much non-existent for the majority of the first half. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did, you know, settle down a little bit. And you can kind of tell that, you know, the Chiefs did need like a big play from like a big play receiver, which Hill would have would have done for them probably but uh it was just a, a collection of just teamwork it was really what i got out of it um and on the Chargers side their defense is electric it's really good their coverage defense is really good asante samuels jr is legit in my opinion he's probably the chargers number one corner out instead of jc jackson in my opinion uh he did a really good job of disturbing um Holmes in the passing game really cutting off some passes i think he almost had an interception but it it barely hit the ground where it got called back. Um, and this defense looked really, really good. They were pressuring, um, you know, towards the second half, though, the Chargers, uh, the pressure was getting to Mahomes, or excuse me, to Herbert. He got sacked a couple of times, and then there was actually a, uh, wasn't a sack, but he threw the ball away, and I think the DB uh, tackled Herbert, and his shoulder went into his rib, and you can tell it really made some discomfort. Herbert kind of played through that and, you know, towards the end, the Chiefs finally put it away, but it was a good game overall. I think there were some mistakes on both sides, but, uh, you know, I think what we learned about the Chiefs is when they went against Arizona, their offense was a lot more freeing. When they went against a tougher defense, it was a little bit more, they shortened the field, the Chargers did to the Chiefs. So the, the Chiefs, again, had to really be patient. And then the Chargers just... You know, they their offense kind of got stagnant. You can tell that they needed Keenan Allen. Uh, Mike Williams was great in the first half, and then kind of in the second half, he kind of tailed off after he got his uh, touchdown. Uh, Austin Eckler was okay. The run game was really abandoned kind of early on. But, uh, you know, the Chargers lost to, you know, on the scoreboard a better team. But I think both teams have a lot to go from it, but they both were were very, very good. It's... Uh, it's a really tough division, and it was a good divisional game. But, you know, I think what was the most surprising is the Chiefs defense actually stood tall and was able to get, you know, Herbert off the field. Um, and when the Chargers offense wasn't moving so much, the Chiefs were able to get some opportunities back and close out the game. So that was kind of some of my bigger takeaways and my what I thought of the game, per se. Um, you know, and uh, it's, a, it's a very good division. I got to say, these, these two teams look like top four teams in the AFC. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, um, listen, I, I, I watched the, about the first quarter, majority of the first quarter. Um, and Justin Herbert looked a little uncomfortable, but as did Patrick Mahomes, there was a lot of, um, you know, safe throws, I guess is what I would really say. Um, you know, Austin Eckler, 14 carries, only 39 rushing yards. Well, to be perfectly honest, that's not winning football. And the Raiders kind of did that to the Chargers, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But they kind of shut down the running game. And I'm not saying that they didn't have some successes. But overall, from what I'm looking at and what I had seen, um, the Chargers really couldn't get a, a push. So I believe that they did upgrade their offensive line, but I think they out, uh, upgraded their pass pro. As far as the run blocking, it's still not looking like it's there. Now, we're in week two. Let's not overreact on all of this. 
Um, and I know you had said earlier that, uh, you know, Justin Herbert, he took a, a pretty wild hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully he's okay for, for fantasy owners, uh, for AFC West, um, you know, division rivals. We're kind of hoping maybe he might be benched for a few weeks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope he is okay. He's, he is a great quarterback, of course. Um, you know, and, and he's great for the game, but, um, you know, we'll see that, that could be huge. That could be potentially huge. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're a Chargers fan, you're probably holding your breath right now. Um, and I did just want to bring up someone who I think is an unsung hero that I have been watching the last two weeks. Um, and ironically, I do have him in one of my fantasy leagues, so (laughs) I kind of know him, but, uh, Gerald Everett the tight end mm. for the chargers. He's been kind of a, a go-to guy when Keenan Allen went out in week one against the Raiders. Um, you know, he kind of looked more towards Everett. Um, so, you know, if you are a defense, uh, scheming for the chargers, you are going to have to put respect on Gerald Everett because it looks like he's doing some great things with Justin Herbert. And, uh, he was the second leading catcher for the chargers today. I'm sorry. He was the third leading catcher. Um, I forgot that Austin Eckler had nine catches. So, um, but um, yeah, you know, as a fantasy owner, again, Austin Eckler, he had a good fantasy day, but in terms of as just strictly a running back in football, Austin Eckler didn't have the greatest of days. Yes. He had nine catches. Yes. He had 55 yards. He had a big 21 yarder. Okay. I get all that 10 targets uh, towards Eckler. Um, but his running, they need him to be at least somewhat efficient on the run game. And that would be my concern because now if you lose Justin Herbert and now you don't have your run game, that is a lot of missing pieces for your Mm -hmm. offense. So I would be a little worried about that, but, um, huge for Kansas city to be two and out to start off, um, to start off the year. Um, I, on the other hand, thought, that you know, if they were going to go two and zero, this would be the way because Arizona. I you know I had the Chiefs beating Arizona this year, and then I had the Chiefs winning at home against the Chargers. Andy Reid is one of the best coaches, and um, you know Brandon Stanley um, on on the Chargers head coach. He's a second year guy, so I'm on Thursday nights. I'm going to go with the experienced coach, and I usually like to go for the home teams. In this case, it was it was no different. So, um, but uh, kudos on the win for the Chiefs, even though it seemed like Mahomes it was pressured constantly, um, and he somehow got out of it and got a win. And it's crazy how we were talking uh, so much of Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, all these quarterbacks this year, Russell Wilson, and uh, we kind of somehow forgot that Patrick Mahomes is still uh, freaking amazing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, good, good for the Chiefs there. Um, but uh, it was a good game. I mean, three-point yeah. difference. I mean, the defense was involved. Offense was involved. Can't ask for anything else. Yeah, I mean, there was just one mistake by Herbert, but it wasn't really necessarily... I mean, Herbert threw it right to the defender, but Gerald Everett, Ever, Ever, actually, who you're referring to, you can tell he was just gassed. This hurry-up offense is very exhausting, and uh, it looks like he's a player that, you know... it is not used to it, of course. And it's understandable. This offense is pretty unique in itself. And, you know, he was supposed to do a comeback route and he kind of, I don't want to say gave up on it, but 
you know, he he turned around and the DB was kind of hiding right behind him. Herbert saw Everett threw it right to him. And then DB took off for 99 yard interception turned to pick six. And it was probably really the only mistakes that Herbert made the whole game, but it actually turned the momentum around because obviously it propelled the lead a little bit more for the chiefs. And one of the things that the chiefs did that, uh, that the chargers didn't really do is yes, they tried to get Eckler going and Sony Michelle at some points, but the chiefs made it a point to get their running backs involved and shorten the field. Like, you know, the chargers took away the deep ball. So, you know, Hardman and uh, MVS couldn't get going. Um, and so they made, you know, the chiefs go dink and dive. And they did that. They did a little bit more running. They got all of their running backs involved and kept getting them involved to where, even though they would have a rush with Clyde Edwards, he'd have a nice little burst. Uh, McKinney would get a little bit of a carry, but they also made it a point to get them involved in a screen game. So it was kind of a pass play, but it was designated as a run play. It looked like, and they just kept more of a balanced offense than the chargers. Herbert, you know, threw I think at 40 something times, 300 and something, you know, yards, but they didn't really honor the balance of the run, which I think was a little bit pivotal. Um, and then that too, though, is because they were playing from behind. So I'll give them that, but you know, to your credit, Drew, you know, with them not getting Austin Eckler involved, or at least, you know, their pass protection is really good. Uh, it's just for some reason, they're not really committed to the run as they were last year. And you can tell, like, in this game, it would have been better off if they were um, balanced. I think it would have helped out a lot because the Chiefs remained balanced in a sense, but the Chargers just, you can tell, just were one-dimensional. And I think part of it is the reason why the the Chiefs were able to kind of contain uh, Mike Williams after a little bit and they, you know, try to, you know, let Palmer get the ball and let him try to do something. He's not going to beat them. Go ahead and let uh, uh, DeAndre Carter get the ball. He's not going to really do much, but take out, you know, Eckler, take out Williams and then try to beat us elsewhere. And that's pretty much what the game plan was. All right. Well, let's talk about the week one uh, victory that the chargers had. And that was against our Las Vegas Raiders. Um, <clears throat> Let's start with this. Uh, Cody, you know, we got about, I think, about 12 minutes before we need to move on. So just giving you that heads up. (laughs) No, that's mainly for me. Anyway, uh, main takeaways from the game. Uh, You can tell Carr basically was trying. I don't want to say trying to do hero ball, but I think he took some chances and uh, the pressure got to him. So I think that made his decision-making a little bit questionable. Um, you know, there was uh, two underthrown balls that, uh, you know, had he put a little bit more on it, wouldn't have gotten picked off, maybe uh, incomplete. Uh, you know, the Raiders did ma- try to make a comeback towards the end and almost got there. But I think, you know, you commit, what is it? Five turnovers total. And then you try to claw your way back in the game, which is really tough. Um, you know, I felt like we played really good. I was really encouraged by our defense and our secondary, all things considered, uh, even though we gave up a lot of those turnovers, our defense was able to kind of, you know, not give up anything more than a, you know, second half touchdown. And that was it for the rest of the game. But, uh, you know, we beat ourselves. Our offense looks really good. I'd like to see Carr spread the ball around a little bit more, which I was surprised that he didn't. I get it that he wanted to get, uh, you know, Devonte Adams involved, which I was happy for. But, I mean, he had an overwhelming 17 targets, and he had more than half of Derek Carr's completions, which is not a bad thing. It's just, you know, we, we have other weapons that we could utilize, such as Waller, Winfro, you know, maybe some of the other receivers, maybe using some of our 
uh, running backs in the screen game, maybe the run game, which kind of came to life in the second half, but we just didn't have any of it in the first half. So those were my main takeaways. I'm encouraged though, that we will bounce back in week two, but you know, we were able to compete as long as we don't beat ourselves. And I think that was my main takeaway. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think a lot of things I, I agree with you. Um, you know, the offensive line was, was a big takeaway for me. Um, that was an issue. That was an issue. Um, I've seen some people who are saying, you know, cars should have stayed in the pocket. Listen, Khalil Mack, for the most part, was beating whoever was on him. Uh, mm-hmm. It didn't matter if it were Colton Miller, who arguably is our best offensive lineman, um, and um, or anyone else. I mean, Khalil Mack was, was a beast. Um, and that's why Raider fans didn't want to get rid of Khalil Mack in the first place. This is, this is the reason. He is a game wrecker, and he absolutely wrecked that game. Now, do I think it helped that Joey Bosa was on the other side? Yeah, but... I would say Khalil Mack was overall the best player on that defense in that mm-hmm. game. Um, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. Though he was he was uh, quite a quite a beast there too. So, um, <clears throat> you know, talking about Carr's three picks, I mean, listen, um, he underthrew a couple of them. One of them was just a great play by a linebacker, and it mm-hmm. was Carr's fault as well for not seeing him. Uh, the underthrown. Excuse me. The underthrow to Devonte Adams uh, towards the end zone. Um, he, it looked like Adams was looking for a flag. It wasn't a flag. I mean, yeah. it was. It, it was a. It was a pick. Yeah. Underthrown. I have no problem with the ref swallowing his whistle on that one and letting that go because, I, to me, it's not a. It's not a pi. So I will right. gladly admit that. Listen, Carr was trying to make it a statement. Uh, to go to Devontae Adams uh, throughout the whole game, show you, hey, I can get the ball to Adams however I want. Um, and and for the most part, I think he did. Uh, like Again, he had the one pick, and, you know, I'll live with that. I, I It wasn't that bad to me because where they ended up starting the ball at, I, I didn't have that big of an issue. You know, you throw a pick, make it where – it's not an easy way for the Chargers to score a touchdown or get, you know, at least a field goal. So, um, you know, as much as I don't want to see interceptions, um, you know, listen, the offensive line was bad. I think cars, uh, I, I think cars, uh, inner internal clock was, was quicker. And so I think he was just trying to force a lot of things, uh, not seeing the field very well. And, and listen, he didn't play all, all, um preseason so Mm -hmm. this is kind of his preseason so i i'm not going to be the least bit surprised if it takes car uh you know three games to really get into the groove of the game so again this is only we're literally on week two now i'm not going to panic about you know the Derek cars the offensive line listen we've already been depleted on offensive line we didn't really start any of our starters in the preseason on the offensive line. So listen, they're all still learning. Uh, I would have liked to have gone to Hunter Renfro a little bit more. Josh Jacobs, really? Can I be frank? The Chargers could not stop Josh Jacobs. 
Yeah. They could not stop him. But because we were playing from behind majority of the game, we really couldn't go to him as often as we wanted to. So that was encouraging that Jacob was just looking like that, man. He was looking yeah. real good. So, um, you know, that was encouraging, especially if you're looking at offensive line issues. I think that was encouraging for your offensive line is, hey, you know, at least our running game is going. So we have one of the two things that we need to get done. Uh, let's give the second one a little short up. So I'm not going to panic yet, but I was a little also another main takeaway that I had was there was no pass rush on Justin Herbert. I mean, right. uh, Crosby, I think he had a couple of, of uh, quarterback pressures. Um, I don't remember seeing Chandler Jones, and that was a little yeah. discouraging because – uh, you know, we signed him to a big contract. We're we're paying him good money. Uh, Raiders fans were really excited to see him, and pretty much we didn't see him that whole game. So, um, yeah. you know, would like to would like to see more. But um, anyway, I I was I was encouraged, and um, I don't know. I I I, I was I wasn't depressed. Of course, mm-hmm. I was upset that we lost, but I was a little down on the. Um, offensive line and no pass rush but again it's week one i'm not gonna panic yet (laughs) uh if we're in week uh, you know week seven week eight and our offensive line and defensive line is still looking like that uh then i then i'm gonna start being a little concerned but for right now i'm gonna stay calm um there was a lot of encouraging things listen we were still in the game we shouldn't Mm -hmm. have been in the game uh, and the penalties were way down for us, which I don't remember having a game like that for the Raiders in a long time with hardly any penalties. So uh, a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, but you know what? You're going to build on the bad things. It's a long season. Um, I was overall, I was encouraged. I have no uh, no issue with the with the way we lost. Yeah, agreed. All right, Cody. Um, so did you want to go to a break or did you want to talk about the upcoming game first? Let's talk about the upcoming game and then we can break after. <laughs> okay. So let's kind of go a little quick here. Uh, the Cardinals are the next team that the Raiders are facing. This is in Vegas. Uh, Cardinals just got brutally humiliated by the Kansas City Chiefs. So what are you looking forward to in this game? Uh, you know, do you see the Raiders winning? Do you see um, uh, the potential of, uh, you know, the Raiders going 0-2? I mean, what, what's, what are you thinking here? No, I think that this is a, a good opportunity for the Raiders to get back on the right track. I mean, even if we lose to the Chargers at home, which is not not a surprise. I mean, I think that uh, it's either there or we, you know, take one at, at our home uh, arena. I think uh, this Arizona game will be a game that gets us on track, gets us that confidence to win. I'm not very high in Arizona. I don't think that anybody else should be. They didn't play very well against the Chiefs. I know it was the Chiefs and their offense was high powered, but for a team that's supposedly a threat in the NFC, they sure did not put up much of a resistance, nor did they look like they were prepared to play football that day, which that's another that's another thing that I have, which is why I don't even think Arizona is going to make the playoffs. I don't think it's going to be a good season for them in general. I do see that this is like a bounce back game for the Raiders. Like I said, get them on track, get, get them their confidence, maybe start a winning streak going on because I think they have some uh, some more favorable matchups in the next few weeks following this game. So it would be a really nice to get some momentum, get the confidence up to when we play some better competition, then we'll be, uh, we'll be up for that. And it gives us an opportunity to kind of see where our offensive line is at to make those adjustments. 
make sure that our defense is still running all cylinders, get that pass rush going, and of course get our offense more in sync with more ball movement, in my opinion. So I look I looked at this game as an opportunity for the Raiders to get a win and get on track and uh, you know, start getting on a hot streak here. Yeah. Um <clears throat> the only issue I have is this. Uh, typically when teams get blown out like the Cardinals did, they come back week two and it's almost, it's usually almost a gimme that they're going to cover the the spread, if not just outright win. So I'm a little concerned for the Raiders, but luckily the Raiders actually lost last week. So they're not riding on a high. They're like, hey, we got to win. So they got to be focused. So I do think that this is going to be a really interesting game. I think this is a very underrated game. Um, <clears throat> first, Kyler Murray has to prove himself. He just mm-hmm. got signed to a big contract, and after week one, he did not prove that he earned that contract. 100% um, right. The last two games that we've seen Kyler Murray in uh, have been, uh, to put it mildly, uh, crap. <laughs> They've been really bad. Yeah. So he's really going to have to prove himself. And Derek Carr, you know, uh, you know, as as much as you and I. Um, have have been on here and and we support Derek Carr. Um, he didn't look great, and so he's going to have to have a bounce back game. I'm not. I don't think he won't. Um, I think this will be a game that he can get back on track on. This Cardinals defense doesn't look great. They do have a really good uh, safety duo, but their secondary overall, I don't think, is that great. Um, the linebacking core is leaves a lot to the imagination. And the defensive line is not what it used to be when Chandler Jones was there. That's another thing that I did want to bring up is this is kind of a um, I'm going to beat you game for Chandler Jones. He's going Mm -hmm. back to his old team who kind of disrespected him and said, hey, we're going to let you walk. We have no problem with you walking. And I think Chandler Jones really took uh, a lot of just, you know, felt very disrespected from that. So this will be an interesting game. Um, I think there could be a lot of good things in this game for the Raiders. I think there could be some good things for the Cardinals, though. So I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if this is a really close game, and it's not going to make me think that the Raiders should have dominated the Cardinals because I think, like I said, in the NFL, it's a funny league. And when you have got the team that gets blown out in the uh, in the week previous, they come back and they come out strong. So yeah. um, this is a this is a game that the Raiders could potentially lose. I'm still not going to overly panic about that. Agreed. All right, Cody, let's take a break. And when we come back, we have NFL week one storylines. We still have our MLB questions. Still lots to get to, so stay tuned. All right, so we kind of talked about a, already a week one game, which was we were talking about the uh, Raiders and Chargers. <sighs> Let's talk about some of the other games in the NFL. As much as you know, Cody, you and I, we have been, uh, we love talking about. Uh, oh, sorry. Talking about the Raiders, we're gonna yeah. do some NFL storylines here because you and I were texting like crazy um, all day on Sunday about some of the games that were going on. And in our Fresno area, we were watching. I think the ten o'clock games were. Bengals and Steelers and 49ers and the Bears in the su- in the tsunami that they played in. And uh, so it was kind of good to get some texting in there and see that. So going over some brief storylines, Drew, I'm going to ask you about the Steelers and the Bengals. Steelers defense looked really good, but was it more about the defense or Joe Burrow? 
Okay, first of all, I'm very surprised you put Steelers looked elite because I still almost lost that game. Um, <clears throat> listen, the Steelers' defense looked good. A lot of that was T.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. I watched a lot of that game, and a lot of the momentum was going because of T.J. Watt putting pressure on Joe Burrow. Now, the secondary was great, too, so I will give their them their props. But T.J. Watt now looks like he's going to be out for multiple weeks. That is a little concerning for me. And listen, Joe Burrow got over a, he had surgery on his appendix this offseason. So he is another quarterback that did not see any type of preseason at all. So I'm, again, it's week one. I do not panic on this stuff. I know as fantasy football has grown, everyone panics on week one. It's not that big of a deal. All right. Joe Burrow, what I was in, in, immensely impressed with with Joe Burrow is he threw four picks and then just kept coming at the Steelers just kept coming and he finally got what he needed to get which was a couple of touchdowns and he gave the he gave the Bengals chances to win and unfortunately the kicking situation in week one was just absolutely bizarre Mm -hmm. I I would use the word asinine because it was just (laughs) incredibly bad I I was so blown away by how the kicking looked just throughout the NFL. It was mm-hmm. it was crazy. But um listen, I, I think Joe Burrow is fine. Um he just needed to get some reps. He got hit a lot. Uh, that Bengals offensive line who, you know, we've been told that they have upgraded, which I mean by all means they did, but they did not look great. Again, it is week one. There's still a new unit. I'm sure it'll get better towards the end of the year. Um, and that's when you want it to be really good is towards the end of the year where, uh, you know, everyone else is kind of getting a little weaker. So uh, we'll see. But I, I, I'm i not too panicked about the Bengals yet. Uh, you know, I think Joe Burrow was fine. And to be perfectly, he had some really bad throws. But overall, he came back. You, He did what you want in a quarterback. You want the quarterback to have short-term memory loss. He throws the pick. He comes right back out. Doesn't even remember that he threw a pick. And he's just going to keep going at what he's supposed to do. It's exactly what he did. And like I said, he gave the, a million chances for the Bengals to win. And unfortunately, they couldn't pull it off. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Steelers' defense is very good. I agree. Losing T.J. Watt is a... Is a is a huge blow to that defense, but in the secondary, in the safeties, in the cornerbacks, that's where they were actually very, very good as well. They were getting to the passes, they were deflecting them, they were stopping the receivers' routes. Um, I think they made it really difficult for Joe Burrow. I agree, though, the no preseason I think did affect him, and obviously the surgery. I think there was a report that he lost like twenty pounds of of uh, weight uh, post surgery, and so he hadn't even practice fully he didn't do any preseason he hadn't really conditioned very much only because of his situation so you know good on him for being so resilient playing five quarters of football and nearly you know coming back from behind after what they did but I do think that the Steelers defense is something to be reckoned with now their offense on the other hand that's another discussion for another time Um, I, I mean I think the Bengals' offensive line is something that's worrisome considering their first game together. they It looked exactly like it did in the playoffs where Joe Burrow was getting sacked like crazy. But, you know, I do, I am really actually encouraged that Joe Burrow showed that much, um, that much poise to still remain into the game 
being a factor. I mean, he drove his team down to the end and, you know, threw a great touchdown pass to Jamar Chase to basically give them the tie before their kicker couldn't seal it on the extra point. But, you know, for the most part, I'm encouraged by Joe Burrow. But, you know, I think that the Steelers defense is going to be a big story for the for that team throughout the season, even without Watt, I think, in my opinion. So. All right, Cody. Well, we kind of already touched the base on this game a little bit. Uh, the Chiefs posted 44 on the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, what was your thoughts on this game? Um, you know, I, I didn't watch this game. I'll be honest about this. So what were your thoughts on this game if you saw a little bit of it at least? So I didn't see that much other than highlights, but my biggest takeaway and from what I was hearing from post-game shows is the Cardinals didn't look like they were prepared at all. I mean, we have been talking about how Cliff Kingsbury is a coach that is probably a little in over his head and he probably won't survive after this season. Uh, you know, they they come out hot early on and then they cool off at the most important time of the season, which is exactly what they did last year. It continued on Sunday. And again, I know that the Chiefs are an elite offense. And but you can't tell me that the Chiefs that went against a defense that actually put some resistance on them, you know, couldn't have shouldn't have put 40 on you, in my opinion. Um, I've been hearing the Cardinals defense is a lot better than people think, you know, this and that. I don't see it. I don't know. I I know that Kyler Murray is a, a very good quarterback. He got paid. He got paid well. I know that their offense with uh, James Conner is, you know, good. But they just looked so unprepared for a professional football game. It was crazy. The only team that I think played worse was Dallas. Um, but Arizona did not look good. And I think that says more about Arizona than the Chiefs. Because I think the Chiefs posting 44 doesn't sound like a big surprise. Arizona giving up 44 when they're supposed to be one of the top teams in the NFC, I think is yeah. the bigger storyline in my opinion. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> listen, the wrong quarterback got paid. Plain and simple. Yep. I was not there. I mean, Kyler Murray got paid like he's an elite quarterback. I'm not there at, to elite. I think he's a, I think he's uh, a, I would say he's a great quarterback. Um, I'm not sure if he will ever be an elite quarterback. I think he's great. I think he's a guy who can move the ball very well. But when the big game comes, he seems to fall apart every single time. Mm -hmm. Lamar Jackson, on the other hand, is a quarterback that I would have paid. Yeah. Um, and he's proven time and time again that he can get to the big games. And he doesn't fold personally. Mm -hmm. He seems to thrive in these big games. Just unfortunately, uh, his team has not uh, overcome those uh, those big games, I guess. So, um I, I'm I'm very worried about Arizona <clears throat> from what I saw. Again, I think they're going to come back here in week two against the Raiders, and I think they are going to put up more than seven points. I don't think they're going to only put up seven again. But I do worry a little bit. It, it didn't look like James Conner was at all involved. Um, they kind of miss Christian Kirk kind yeah. of a lot, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because we were all making a joke. Oh my God, I can't believe Christian Kirk was the first 
big big time receiver getting a ton of money from the Jaguars. And listen, he had a pretty good game with the Jaguars, and the Cardinals didn't really have anyone to throw to. Yeah. So it's a little worrisome, the defense. I do think their secondary is a little bit better than what they showed. But Travis Kelsey was absolutely torching them. Mm-hmm. Juju Smith got in on the action. Marquez Valdez Scantling got in on the action. Hardman got in on the action. I mean, it seemed like everyone was having a field day. So um, I don't see that happening in week two. Um, I just, like I said, NFL is a strange game. They're they're yeah. gonna they're gonna come back and play better. But um, this is this has got to be concerning. This has got to be a little concerning if you're a Cardinals fan because if this continues, you paid your quarterback a lot of money for a whole lot of nothing. So yeah. that's that's what I would be really worried about. Yeah. All right, Cody. So the Niners lost to the Chicago ba- da Bears. Da Bears. Da Bears. Is a Jimmy G drama affecting Trey Lance's play? I think so, only because... Here you have Kyle Shanahan that's come out and said Trey Lance is our guy, but yet Jimmy G is still there. So I don't know if that signals like, hey, just in case you get injured or just in case you suck enough to where we need Jimmy G to bail us out, we're going to hang on to him. And not only that, and I was telling you about this on Monday, but there is a ton of uh, distraction when it comes to how do you feel that Jimmy G is still on the team? or could potentially take your job. And it doesn't help that in week one in a terrible weathered game for football, you know, Trey Lance doesn't have the greatest of throwing days. And, you know, it was a bad day for the 49ers in general to where it's now sparking some of these rumors of this conversation. So I think it is a little distracting. I think Jimmy G needs to be traded to like Dallas. Uh, I'd even say the New York Giants, even though they won. I would say Jimmy G needs to be traded just so that way it gives Trey Lance a peace of mind to just know that like it's his job and he's not going to lose it or anything like that. Peyton Manning interviewed with Colin Cowherd on his podcast. Peyton Manning said that what Trey Lance needs is reps, 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 reps. It's really hard for him to get those reps though. When you have somebody that's on your, that's, you know, on your shoulder that could potentially take your job. And that doesn't give you a peace of mind to know that, you're okay to make mistakes to learn from this because you know, his worry now is if I make a mistake to learn from that mistake, I'm going to have my opportunity taken away and that's not something that's going to benefit him. So I think that the whole Jimmy G drama is a huge distraction for Trey Lance. I, okay. I, I I do believe that it's kind of a distraction, but I'm going to give Trey Lance a pass on this game because I feel like this game was insane. I mean, this game was they were basically playing at Wild Water Adventure Park for for those, uh, you know, Fresno natives. Um, if you know, you know. You know, yeah. Um, but it was, I mean, seriously. I mean, these guys were, they were, like, trying to tackle. I saw one where it was Trey Lance. He ran, like, a little, uh, I believe it was a triple option play. He's running to his left, and he kind of slides down. And so to avoid hitting the quarterback, one of the defenders goes down or like kind of like jumps over him. And as he hits, he's still like going, he's still like sliding. <laughs> You're like, holy cow, that, that guy was like going up and down and he still was sliding. That's how crazy that is. So, um, and I remember watching Trey Lance's last throw. I mean, it literally just slipped out of his hand. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just insane. I mean, it was pouring too. So yeah. I'm going to give Trey Lance a pass on this. I, I don't think it was 
an easy game to play in. Now, Justin Fields, he looked a little bit better. But listen, Justin Fields is used to Chicago weather. He's starting to kind of learn how to how to play in that type of a stadium and that type of environment. But also, he wasn't in he wasn't out on the field when he was absolutely downpouring like Trey Lance did on his last drive. So I'm not that discouraged from Trey Lance. He ran 13 times and he ran well. I mean, I think it was like 82 yards or something. So mm-hmm. he ran well. I, I I didn't think he played all that bad. I just he couldn't complete a lot of passes because how could you? Um, yeah. You know, Debo was was involved. Brandon Ayuk looked actually really good. Um, it to me, what it felt like was Trey Lance really had a, a had a better connection with Brandon Ayuk. And for you fantasy lovers, Brandon Ayuk, I really do think that there's going to be something to this Trey Lance, Brandon Ayuk thing. If Lance can hold the the uh, quarterback position. However, I do think that Jimmy G being there does kind of affect him. Of course, how could it not? But this is what I think Kyle Shanahan wanted. I think he wanted to put pressure on Trey Lance, see if he's got it. Because if he doesn't, he's going to go right back to, to Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, they're going to get rid of Trey Lance, probably go to the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Because they're not going to go with Jordan Love, um, and um, you know, uh, probably move on to a different team after this. So that's kind of what I took from this game. I, I wasn't too concerned about Trey Lance. Just it was it was weird circumstances. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Green Bay, the Vikings obviously had their way with Green Bay. So I I want to know from you, Drew, how concerned are you with the Packers? You like how I volleyed that up to you, by the way. I love it. I just that was, I, that was served it perfectly. Transition, communication, Smooth, baby, communication, <laughs> and re- and that was all by ke- uh, chemistry. So yeah, that was great. It was smooth until I brought it up that it was smooth. <laughs> <laughs> now it's now it's lost its uh, its big time uh, niceness. Yeah, smoothness. Uh, listen, the the Packers. I know everyone wants to panic. But let me bring this up. The Aaron Rodgers last year struggled week one, looked awful. Everyone was like, this is what you get for trying to go for the Jeopardy job. This is what you get for, you know, trying to be in the limelight, maybe talking about retirement. This is what you get, Aaron Rodgers. And then what did he do week two, Cody? Absolutely went off. Absolutely went off. Mm-hmm. So here's my thing. They ran into a really good Minnesota Vikings team. I absolutely, and I will admit it 100%, underrated this Minnesota Vikings team. I didn't think that defense was there. But listen, I don't think that defense went through a gauntlet with the Packers in week one, okay? Uh-huh. A.J. Dillon had a really good game. Aaron Jones was okay. Uh, Randall Cobb was Randall Missing. Cobb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, Alan Lazard, okay, you know, Aaron Rodgers basically ghosted two rookie receivers because they kind of messed up in, in the first quarter. And it was like, okay, dude, they're rookies. Like, calm down. Mm-hmm. But listen, this is what we know is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the Russell Westbrook of the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is this incredible talent. And when he's by himself, he loves it. And he will excel. Okay, I don't I don't have any doubt that he's going to be great still by the end of the year. But 
He is not going to have a team around him that is going to help him win. He may end up getting in the playoffs. I still think it's a possibility, but I don't think this team is ever going to amount to anything with Aaron Rodgers being kind of the way he is, Mm -hmm. to be honest. It was the same with Russell Westbrook in the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, he wanted to be by himself. They were good. They weren't great. And you kind of got the result that you anticipated what you were going to get. I just think that this was a game of karma for all the energy that Aaron Rodgers has put into the team. And what I mean by that is his play, in my opinion, reflected the chemistry of the team. It was poor. And the fact that he did not provide any leadership to help build up those young receivers, which he desperately needed because the leading receivers were his two running backs for fantasy owners. That's phenomenal for a football that sucks. Um, And I just think that like, look, man, you can't expect to have a good team or players that trust you if you don't give time to them. And I know that there's some analysts that say, you know, he treated Devontae Adams the same way. He just doesn't like rookie receivers. Hey, man, I got something to tell you. There's rookies that come in and out of the league all the time. I know that you understand that you were a rookie once before. And so you understand this game better than anybody that, you know, you need to invest as much time in that relationship to build that up so you can gain trust with one another. And I think that this game was very telling of what internally is having with the Packers. I think they're due for some sort of regression. I know I have them winning the division in the North. I would not be surprised if they finished like third in this division, just because I think that they're so dysfunctional with Aaron Rodgers getting paid, basically him coming out on psychedelics throughout the season, this and that and the other. Like to me, this is like a free for all in this organization or on this team, in my opinion. And I think that we're going to start seeing more cracks in this team. And I may not be panicking on the Packers, but I think this is a huge representation of how this team is in terms of cohesion. And that's not great. Like Seattle Seahawks look way more in connection with one another than the Packers did with each other. And Seattle's universally going to be recognized as one of the bottom teams, whereas the Packers are supposed to be the division winners. And yet the Packers have the, it looks like the most dysfunctional team compared to Seattle, which is, is mind blowing in itself, in my opinion. So uh, I may not be panicking on the Packers, but I think that this is more of a tell of things to come because of how this team operates with Aaron Rodgers and his nonchalant. I do what I want to do. And that's that. And you know, whatever, I think this game represented all of that. And this is kind of like a reap what you sow and things to come for the future, in my opinion. All right, Cody. Well, I want to talk about after week one, going into week two, which team in the NFC and AFC do you think will surprise people the most from week one to week two? I think in the NFC, and I think we've already talked about this, so I don't think it's much of a surprise, but I think the Eagles are going to surprise people as what we've said. I mean, I know for me, I have the Eagles as one of the uh, 
higher end teams uh, in that conference to come out of the playoffs. Um, I don't think that there's any challenger outside of like maybe Tampa and the Rams that uh, pose any sort of a major threat to the Eagles. And since they were already in the wild card last year, I think they're hungry to get back there. So I think the Eagles and the uh, NFC for me um, and in the AFC, I hate to say it, but I think the Ravens, man, like I may not be high on the Ravens because they don't have a whole lot of weapons. And I know that they played a Jets team who's kind of depleted and it's the Jets. But they look pretty good for a team that didn't have a whole lot of preseason games together. Like Lamar didn't play in the preseason. He didn't look like he needed it, though. I think the Ravens are, for me, a team that are going to surprise people in the AFC. And if they can continue this with their receiving weapons, yeah, then they're going to look really, really good come postseason. Not surprising to me, Cody. Pick them to win that division. You remember that? Called me crazy, Cody. You couldn't even tell me who their other receiver was outside of Bateman. And I did not Still care. Still can't. <laughs> and I did not care. Still don't. All right. Um, you know, to me, I'll start with the AFC. I'm actually going to say the Jaguars. Um, listen, they went down by to the Commanders pretty early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were playing catch-up for most of the game. They caught up. They did not do a terrible job. There was a couple of mess-ups here and there, and that's to be expected. It's still, you know, Doug Peterson's first time coaching in, what, two years? Mm-hmm. Um, but I was encouraged with Trevor Lawrence. Travis Etienne, if he doesn't drop a touchdown, they could have won that game. Um, so I, Christian Kirk had a really good game. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an encouraging team, and that defense is kind of scrappy. I mean, it's not great by all means, but I do think that this is going to be an interesting team moving forward. Um, do I think that they're going to sneak into a, a, a postseason uh, spot? No, I, I think the AFC is too stacked for them to be able to sneak by, but I do think that they could potentially be somewhat in a running uh, when we're talking about them in like week 12, I think that is, uh, not something that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I really, I really like this Jaguars team. I really do. Um, you know, I'm a, still a little nervous because Trevor Lawrence, this is his second year. So, you know how I am second year guys. I'm not too fond on, but, um, you know, I feel like this is kind of going to be technically his rookie year because he's with a new coach. So I'm kind of encouraged by that. So, um, and then the NFC team, I got to be honest, man, I might be on the train. The Panthers, I, I, I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. I am intrigued. I listen, that Browns defense is really good. That mm-hmm. Browns offense, obviously, besides the quarterback right now, which I think Brissett is actually. Uh, very underrated for what he does. <clears throat> but that offense, they came back, and they they had a couple of chances to go ahead, and they just went for two, and they didn't make it. Um, Christian McCaffrey, they really tried to not use him a ton. They wanted to try and save him, which I thought was smart. Uh, Baker Mayfield, in the beginning, struggled, but it, like in the second half, he was starting to kind of go. He threw a bomb to Robbie Anderson. Listen, mm-hmm. I don't think their defense is all that terrible 
like I've been told. I think their defense kind of held their own against a, a, a really good Browns offense. Listen, Amari Cooper was kind of non-existent that whole game. Now, again, it's kind of a new quarterback, new system type thing, so I'm not expecting Amari Cooper to be shut down consistently. But um, I was a little encouraged by the Panthers, got to be honest. I know both of the teams I picked lost, but I'm actually more encouraged by the way they lost than if they were going to win that game. So I I really do like the Panthers, and I do really like the Jaguars. Do I think both of those teams will make uh, playoffs? No, I do not. But I think mm-hmm. they're going. They're not going to be easy wins by all means. Right on. All right, Drew. It's your favorite segment. Happens weekly. You've been doing this now for God knows how many weeks in the season. Why don't you deliver us your top five power rankings in the MLB? I know everyone's on pins and needles waiting for it. I know. I'm <laughs> just kidding. All right. All right. All right. So numero uno, I have the Los Angeles Doyers. Do I need to say any more? No? no. All right. No. Cool. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously. Um, the Dodgers are starting to get healthy. I mean, obviously, minus Walker Buehler, uh, they're starting to get healthy, which is scary because they've still been the best team in baseball with all these injuries. So um, I think their biggest concern is who in God's name are they going to uh, start in a playoff series? Who are they going to give you know pink uh pink hits to you know they're they have a tough thing on their hand because like they have so many guys that's like shoot who do we play <laughs> so um but it's a good it's a good problem to have so the dodgers still my number one team in my opinion uh number two i have the houston astros consistent man i mean yeah. absolutely consistent justin verlander i kind of think he's going to be the al cy young award winner I know over Shohei, probably, you think? Yeah, I do. I think he's going to get it over Shohei. I, I Shohei has been nice, but Verlander's winning, and yeah. I think that's what you're going to have to put over Shohei. As much as you know, some people hate kind of that, like you know how we were talking about Sandy Alcantara uh, yeah. for the Marlins. Uh, you know, listen to me. All Star Game is a little different than like you know season awards because you kind of have to see the whole season to really get a, gl- a grasp of who was the best. And in my opinion, I do think Justin Verlander has been the best because no one thought he was going to do this. I think with Shohei, we kind of all figured he's a good pitcher. He can do what he can do, um, mm-hmm. and he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of wins. He's gonna get a lot of strikeouts. Um, and with Verlander, I think we weren't sure what he was going to look like and. He's been absolutely stellar. This is where I I had the Mets over the Braves. I said it to you, Cody, and I said, you know what? Switch it back. Yeah, I still like the Braves. They lost the series to the Giants. Uh, they're going to be facing uh, Philadelphia here uh, coming up, so this is going to be a big um, a big series for the Braves. What I do like about the Braves. Their pitching has been consistent, even though I didn't think it was that good. Um, and they have been scoring a lot of runs. You, They lost the series to the Giants, but the game that they won against the Giants, they won like 6-1. to one. Let me, I'm going to double-check that. 5-1, to one, excuse me. So they can score runs at any time. Mm-hmm. This is a very dangerous offense. I do worry about their starting rotation. 
I think it's overrated to be perfectly honest. But I think their bullpen has actually gotten a lot better. I think their bullpen is very strong. So this is why they're continuing to win games. Because even when they're losing with their starting pitching, they still are able to find ways with their bullpen to keep them where they're at. And then their offense starts scoring runs. So I'm really encouraged by Atlanta. And what is the, uh, the stat that I have been sticking with throughout all year long, Cody? Can you run tell differential. Me? Run differential. And where do you think they lie on the run differential radar here? Braves? The Braves. I think I would say they are fifth. They are third. Oh. Uh, oh sorry. I they are they are uh, fourth, excuse me. They are fourth in run differential. I forgot about the Dodgers because I completed counting them out. The Dodgers are number one. The Yankees are number two. The Astros are number three. And number four are the Atlanta Braves. And they're still in second place in the NL East, but only a game behind the Mets. I'm very encouraged by this team. I'm not going to panic that their record is lower than the Mets. I still like the Braves team over the Mets. Now I have number four is the New York Mets because I love their starting rotation. Mm -hmm. I think their bullpen is pretty strong. Their offense has been kind of shaky lately. Mm -hmm. Um, Now they're number five in the league. So in run differential. So that is encouraging. But when the Braves are outscoring you and they just got off of a series and they're actually, they're going to play another series against Pittsburgh uh, tomorrow, but they're playing a series against Pittsburgh. And if you can't overcome the run differential over Atlanta against Pittsburgh, I'm starting to think that, and they went five and five the last 10 games. So they're not doing great. Mm -hmm. Um, Lindor is a great hitter. But the other guys, uh, Jeff McNeil has kind of been struggling lately. Um, he's kind of a big momentum swing type of a guy. Uh, you know, Pete Alonzo is, has been still Pete Alonzo, but they really miss Starling Marte, which yeah. is a little concerning for me because if you are if you have as much talent as you do and Starling Marte is the one that is really derailing your team, I think you might have somewhat of an issue. I'm not saying Sterling Marte is not a good player, but I am a little concerned because he's not their best player. Right. But it, that shows me that their uh, their base running is not great, and it tells me that um, you know they're not really getting the ball in spots where they can score more runs. So uh, I, I'm a little concerned, not too much, but this is what I was worried about the New York Mets at the beginning of the year is can they continue a little hot streak and you're, they're starting to kind of crack under that pressure. And so if I'm a Mets fan, I'm getting a little nervous now. Yeah. And my number five team, I have the New York Yankees strictly because it seems like Toronto doesn't want to uh, (laughs) overtake the Yankees. They like, get close, and then they're like, eh, nah, we won't do that. Uh, yeah. And then I watched the game today. It was Tampa Bay and Toronto. Good. Got Kevin Gosman got absolutely rocked in this game. Uh, the batters saw a C, and when they swung, they saw ranked. It was cranked <laughs> all day, baby. So um, 
Toronto doesn't want it. Tampa Bay kind of seems like they don't want it either, to be honest. Baltimore was kind of making a push, but I, I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to have enough time to, uh, to make up uh, the difference that they have. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not much to say about the Yankees. I mean, they're hurt big time right now. So mm-hmm. their question is really, can they get healthy for the postseason? And also too, whoever they go against, are they going to be able to survive them? Cause they could, they could bounce in the, in the NLDS, which is not good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Who would they face right now if the season started? The Yankees would actually get a bye week, but they would either have to face the Tampa Bay Rays or the Cleveland Guardians. I really like the uh, Guardians rotation. Yeah. And their hitters are starting to kind of start going. Yeah. And Tampa Bay Rays, that's it's a division rival you have to always be concerned about having a division rival in the postseason so uh, right now not too fond of the matchup for the yankees uh if if the season were to end today all right give us a recap so numero uno i have the los angeles doyers uh number two i have the Houston Astros, I have, I don't have anything for that, sorry. Uh, <laughs> number three, I have the Atlanta Braves. At number four, the New York Mets. And number five, the Das Yankees. Those damn for, for Dodgers and Yankees, sorry. Those damn Yankees. Okay, so I know that you've been patiently waiting for this one, Drew, so I will let yes. you describe it. But just a quick recap, there was some drama um, in Giants a couple of days ago, I believe, that involved Gabe Kapler and uh, Littell. So, Drew, I'll I'll let you take it from here. Kind of give us some context and the situation and then what your takeaway was from it. Okay, so if you um, haven't seen this, this this was a, a crazy incident that I think needed to be covered a little bit more. Uh, so Zach Littell is a relief pitcher. He kind of has been struggling this year. Um, he's been up and down with injury. And to be perfectly honest, he was up and down with um, AAA and the majors. So he's kind of been, you know, riding the coattails a little bit of, um, of possibly being let go. But he got lucky that the Giants needed more relief pitchers because he's just been he's just been that bad this year. So, Zach Littell was on the mound. Gives up two hits right away. Then he got the next guy to hit into a double play. So, they turn the double play. Gabe Kapler, as he usually does, plays the numbers. So, he pulls Littell, puts someone else in. So, as he goes out to Zach Littell, he asks for the ball. Zach Littell kind of takes the baseball and kind of slams it into Kapler's hand, which you don't usually do. And Kapler is kind of like, he turns around and is kind of like, what are you doing? And then uh, Zach Littell proceeded to say something to Kapler. Now, what he said, we really don't know. I don't think we'll ever find out unless, you know, there's a uh, documentary at some <laughs> a, point. And, a 30 for 30. And I would really appreciate that for whoever's out there to get that info. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he said something to Gabe Kapler. And I have to praise Gabe Kapler for keeping it cool because you could tell just by looking at his face, he was ready to throw hands. He was so pissed because the look that he gave Zach Littell was like this mother father 
is about to be choked out in my ripped arms right yeah. now. <laughs> he was like, he looked at him, but he stayed professional. He yeah. um, he he didn't show him up like Latell did on the mound at home in front of the fans. Kampler could have absolutely got away with it. And you know what? I don't think anyone would have blamed him, but mm-hmm. he held his tongue. He waited. Picture came in. Then Kapler went into the dugout and he made a beeline for Zach Littell and said, let's go. So both of them went into the hallway that goes to the clubhouse, obviously had a chat. Now he would, Kapler was asked about it after the game and Kapler said, listen, it was heat of the moment. He's upset that I'm pulling him out after he did a great job of getting those two outs, and we really appreciate it. We we're just trying to play the numbers and had to pull him. He didn't want to be pulled. It happens. We're all good. Well, apparently they weren't because the very next day they sent Zach Littell to uh, AAA, and I actually saw a story by one of the Giants writers that actually that was kind of a big deal because now he's all out of options. So mm-hmm. either Zach Littell is on the team or he's not going to be on the team anymore. He cannot be optioned anymore to uh, AAA or, or MLB. So uh, kind of a big deal. We'll see what happens with that. I, would, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if Zach Littell is no longer on the team. Uh, but a lot of people were upset about Gabe Kapler. They were saying, I can't believe Kapler is this soft. You know, he, he actually sent him down to AAA. This is not Gabe Kapler's decision. I'm sure he went to the GM and said, hey, listen, this is what happened. He said this. Um, you know, I know it's kind of like he's upset. He doesn't want to get pulled. So I understand that. You got to make your decision, though. And obviously the GM thought it was that bad to where he was like, nah, we're not going to deal with that. He needs to go. And listen, a lot of people want to say it's just because of that incident. Littell was having a bad year. So uh, there is a actual baseball. Um, there's actually in a baseball move, uh, smart move in this, but also I don't think that incident really helped his cause either. So um, yeah. it's unfortunate that it happened, but I got to give Gabe Kapler all the praise in the world. I thought he handled that tremendously because I think a lot of managers would have gone right at him right away, which they have every right to. But mm-hmm. I think Gabe Kapler in the moment was like, listen, I cannot do this right now. If I go off on this kid, it's going to completely derail whatever we're doing because they were winning the game. That mm-hmm. was the other thing. It wasn't like they were losing. So um, all, all credit to Gabe Kapler. I thought he handled it very professionally and had an absolute opportunity uh, to completely um, just be petty about it in his uh, – post-game press conference and he ended up saying nah you know it's the heat of the moment he said what he said i'm over it it's not a big deal um obviously it was kind of a big deal i think gabe kapler was probably still a little upset but i don't think kapler was like we need to send him down i think kapler was more on the lines of um you know i'm not too i'm not happy with it but it's really your call and i think the jam said that's a little too much yeah. So I actually heard about it through TikTok. Um, obviously on our, you know, Drew Code Sports Talk TikTok. I saw it come through the feed 
And uh, actually, I saw somebody give an analysis on it who like specializes in managing, and they pointed out some some things. Is you know, just like what you mentioned, he held his composure after a and after whatever was said, and then instead of having it out even in the dugout, where yeah, granted it was out of the line of action in terms of the game itself. He still took it into a private area. And then even during the post-game interview, you mentioned like, you know, he just aired his grievances. But Gabe Kapler also mentioned, you know, like we are an open door policy kind of a clubhouse. You know, you're free to speak your mind respectfully and I'll listen. We'll talk about it. We'll work it out. And I think him, I think uh, Liddell being um, optioned was more so the GM having Kapler's back just because like he wanted to recognize like, look, you know, you're you're a fine kid. You've made a poor decision, but we need to send a message to the rest of the clubhouse that we are in lockstep and we are in in unison. And w- you just don't step out of line and you just don't do that. It's unprofessional. And Gabe Kepler made a great point that, you know, like your your attitude also is included in your performance. It's not just what you do on the field. Yeah. It's your attitude around the ball club. It's your attitude on the field, how you treat your your teammates, you know, your coaches and whatnot, it's all factored into that. So if you have a, a bad attitude, that kind of goes into bad performance just because it doesn't matter at that point. You're not helping the cause. So I agree, man. Kudos to uh, to Kapler. I mean, that was an interesting situation. He handled it really well. It's really yeah. cool to see a Giants manager kind of handle that because I can only imagine if it was another manager on the mound when that happened. That might even be a whole discussion in itself. But uh, I found it very interesting and very, very cool to see a modern day managing situation where how it can be done professionally and not yeah. and not, uh, you know, when that kid had every right to be ranked through the coals for doing that, you know, Kepler kept it professional and strictly made it to where it's a one on one conversation and not aired it out in, in, in uh, public. I thought kudos to that to him as well. Yeah, and I, and I, I kind of was starting to see a few Giants fans like, no one would ever do that to Bruce Bochy. Well, yeah, Bruce Bochy was a was a seasoned veteran by the time he was uh, the Giants manager. Gabe Kapler, this is still kind of a, a new gig for him. Not necessarily, you know, he's only been doing it for like three years. No, I mean, he's he's been a manager for a few years now, but he's still kind of new. He, he's not that far away uh, from a lot of these guys age wise. Mm -hmm. So, um, and he's somewhat of a young manager. So listen, there's going to be different respect for different guys. It just, that's how baseball is. And, and, um, you know, I guys who you are a little closer in age with, you're going to challenge a little bit more. And I think that's what happened with Littell. I think he was, he felt a little more comfortable challenging Kapler than if it were Bochi, but to me that's kind of like that makes sense, like <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, I thought Kapler handled that very well, and um, you know I- I'm a little discouraged because they sent him down to AAA. But listen, he wasn't having a great year anyway, so it's not that big of a loss. I was just kind of surprised that they did it so quickly. So yeah. and I just kind of makes me wonder, like, what did he say? Because he pissed someone off. <laughs> well, and like I, I don't said, think I, it was just Kapler. Well, like I said, I think obviously I can't remember what the GM the uh, what's the GM's name of the Giants. I'm forgetting Farhan Zadi. I I think he saw that, and that was his way of representing that he has Kapler's back. 
Yeah. And I'm not saying that Kapler pushed for Littell to get optioned. I don't think he would have cared one way or the other. No. But I think that was uh I think that was the GM's way of just saying, Hey, look, man, I got you. Like that's inappropriate. We'll handle that. It makes sense anyways. It's a performance thing. He wasn't doing it on the field. That shouldn't happen regardless, you know, yeah. of circumstances. So it's just best to just make this decision. And, you know, I think that just shows even more leadership that, you know, if there's a situation that happened, the house isn't divided. Everyone's kind of got the same respect for one another. And again, as what has been echoed in the Giants organization this whole season is you can come to us with whatever your grievances are, but in a respectful way. And once that line was yeah. crossed and they made it a point to to say, hey, that's not cool and to stop it, to send a message to not only everybody else that we're like, this is our show and and so on and so forth, in my opinion. So, yeah. All right, Cody. Well, I think that's it, man. We we have done everything that we possibly could. Uh, my phone is trying to tell me that it's dying, so I have to get <laughs> off anyway. So, uh, but thank you guys so much. We do appreciate uh, all the love and support, and uh, we want you guys to continue that to continue interacting with us. So go follow us on all the social media sites, which is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also excuse me, and also TikTok. Um, and go check our YouTube out where we put out all the videos. A lot of the videos from TikTok we do also put on uh, YouTube. And um, we also will put on strictly just YouTube videos on our YouTube page as well. So uh, go subscribe and like and comment on all those videos. We always want to hear from you guys. Also, um, go to all the major podcast sites, which is Spotify, iHeart, and uh, Apple Podcasts. Like I said, subscribe and also rate and review our show. Anything and everything does help. Five star, one star, whatever it is. We just want to get better, and that's all we want to do. Uh, We're not here to compromise who we are. We're not uh, guys who are going to do these, uh, I don't want to say hot takes, but, you know, these these, uh, takes where we really don't believe in. We're going to say how we actually feel, and uh, we're going to leave it at that. So, um, And we try and do it respectfully because... That's what we grew up like. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I I feel like Cody, I'm not trying to toot our own horn, but for the most part, I feel like our show has been pretty much the same in terms of how we present ourselves, how we come off uh, when we're talking about certain sports and stuff. I don't think we've we've been too hot take ish. Uh, yeah. and I, and I think, uh, I think we've done that for how, however long we've been doing this, I think like five, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like we've been our, our same selves that whole time. So, uh, just want to give us a little bit of kudos on that, because if you're looking for an authentic show, I think, I think we're definitely that. Um, also go check out our partners over at fnxfitness.com where you can get 15% off your whole purchase. Uh, by using our promo code. And speaking of which, I need to get my protein shake. Anyway, um, <laughs> I've been waiting for that peanut butter cup. And I, in the meantime, I went and got like Costco, like muscle milk stuff. Oh, yeah. And so, which actually has been working out really well. But I was just like, I miss the peanut butter so much. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I've been waiting for that. So I think it's time for me to, to buy it. But anyway, go check out our partners over there where they have all the workout gear all the workout supplements you could ever want or need they have a ton of supplements i mean they have 
like fish oils. They have protein bars. They have the protein shakes. They have like AM uh, startup protein shakes. They have like designated PM protein. It's ridiculous. They have vegan protein shakes. Ridiculous stuff. So go check them out. They have a ton of great stuff. Please, please, please go check them out. Um, And uh, man, like I said, I am going to be doing uh, the Singer West uh, game uh, tomorrow. So if you're very, if you're interested at all, go check them out on YouTube. They do have a few videos, and uh, you'll actually see one of the videos where uh, they scored their first touchdown, which is actually was an 85-yard touchdown, and I was so excited I got to call that. So go check it out that out on YouTube as well. Uh, and I'm gonna send it off to Cody where he can finish this episode off. All right. Well, thank you, Drew, voice of the now uh, Hornets. Go Hornets. We're going to be rooting from them from now on now. Uh, if you guys are interested in getting started in a podcast, we highly recommend it. And by doing so in the link in the episode description or in our bio, we actually have podcast equipment that you guys can purchase. It's from Amazon. So we have direct links to the mics that we use, the equipment that we use to set up and record with. So Go check out that link in the description and go click on it. It's literally all you have to do is click on the link, put it in your um, in your cart, buy it. It's yours. Get your podcast started. Literally, you can have a podcast about anything. Drew and I did a Bay one years ago, which I kind of missed doing it because it was kind of yeah. different. But yeah, uh, you know, we've been doing this sports one for uh, a little bit longer, which is kind of like what we're uh, used to doing. But uh, if you're interested in getting the podcast game, you definitely need the gear and you get you need the, the software and all that stuff. Again, all the links are in our bio to get that and get that started. And so uh, we just want to thank you guys so much for listening to us and keeping us on this journey. Uh, it's been a ton of fun. I appreciate Drew's kind words with uh, how we don't compromise who we are on this show. And, um, you know, I think that the term that we're looking for is we don't want to be controversial. We're not trying to be offensive. You know, our our points or our takes in sports is just how we feel. We're not trying to hurt anybody. We're just saying what it is. And we're not trying to overstep our boundaries and, and offend anybody just because of the sake of they're an opposing team or they're in, they're uh, they have a different viewpoint. It's not what we do. So if you guys are just looking for a chill, authentic sports show, that's us. So I just want to say I appreciate you, Drew. Appreciate everybody watching and listening. Uh, again, don't forget to go subscribe, follow, like, share, all that good stuff on social media, YouTube, our podcast, yada, yada, yada. All the links are in the description in our link tree. I'll let everybody go. I know we're ready to uh, move on to week two of the NFL. Don't forget to catch our next episode where we recap it, guys. So with that being said, we're signing off. Drew, have a fun Friday. Thank you, sir. Everybody else, have a good one. Hornet Swarm, let's ride. (laughs) (laughs) And we're out. (laughs) Oh, he doesn't see me. He doesn't see me. Oh, sorry. What? Oh. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to see how you reacted to that. You look so depressed. I just ripped your heart out. I should probably end this.